0: Welcome to Hunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were true crime, history, and the paranormal me. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Hunting History Podcast. My guest today is Brian Clune historian and author how many books have you written
1: uh, right now i have 11 up <clears throat> excuse me i have 11 up on amazon and the publishers have me working on one two three four five five more and then i'm working on three with uh my buddy and partner bob davis
0: what is the one that I'm reading right now? Hollywood obscura is that Hollywood one obscura one? yeah Hollywood obscura so guy that's a lot of books. How long uh-huh. have you been doing that? How long have you been writing? Um,
1: I've actually wanted to be an author since I was about eleven years old, um, but I actually was really bad. I mean, some of the things I wrote back then I just looked at went, okay, this is never going to happen. Uh. Uh, so it's kind of funny um, when I started investigating. Uh, the paranormal. I started writing things down, <clears throat> and I guess I did it as a uh, kind of almost in a book format. So <clears throat> a couple people were looking at it, and they were like, "You know, you got to put that in a book." So I did. So, and, and that's that was, how you got started. That's how I got started. That was back in oh lord, uh, t- twenty twelve, I believe. Twenty. Oh, you've only
0: been so like ten years. Is you started writing like ten years ago?
1: Yeah, give or take, and and then my first book was published, which was actually my second book. Uh, my first book that that was published was "Ghost of the Queen Mary," and that came out in twenty fourteen, if I remember correctly.
0: Oh wow! So we're here today to talk. You and I met this past weekend in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and we are during our conversation. The Black Dahlia came up. So the reason why we're chatting is because you have a different. Theory or it, you said, it's not your theory. It was else's theory. Okay. Correct. So, But you believe in this theory. I do. Okay. And you, we did, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen, but we did a three, three episode series on the black Dahlia. And one of the episodes was specifically about the suspects and the suspect that you mentioned that you told me about, I'm going to let you talk about him is someone who is not originally a suspect but has come to light just in, like, the last, like, 10 years, right? Um, I believe Mr.
1: Harnish published it a little more than 10 years ago. Um, But, yeah, uh, nobody even... Has heard of this this uh, this person, uh, which really surprises me, especially when you look at everything that Mister Harnish and the FBI profiler put together. It 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 really is kind of hard to um, uh, not think that okay, this is most likely the guy who did it, even down to why he was never caught.
0: His name is Walter. Bailey, but there was another middle name. So
1: yeah, Doctor Walter Alonzo Bailey.
0: And how old was he when the Black Dahlia was murdered?
1: Um, he was, if I remember right, um, just in his early sixties.
0: And then, and this this author, this the author that you're speaking of, is the one who first even like recommended that he could have been. Right.
1: <clears throat> right. Now, uh Mr. Harnish, Larry Harnish, uh, he is a retired Los Angeles Times investigative reporter. And he had gotten together with an FBI profiler, uh, because when he f- when when Mr. Harnish first uh started reading about the Black Dahlia, uh he, like a lot of other people who, who have delved into the case, just got really deeply involved with it. And um couldn't get it out out of his mind, and he just started, you know, doing nothing but research. And then when he finally retired, is when he got together with the uh, uh, FBI and uh, came up with uh, the suspect of uh, Mister Bailey. And <clears throat> one of the one of the ways he did it is by doing something that nobody else really had, and that was checking out the um, uh, properties in uh Lamert park where elizabeth short's body was uh, for a better word dumped uh after she was she was murdered and she or i'm sorry he he came across uh mr bailey uh when they they started delving into who lived in the area and because he was a prominent doctor um and had worked at not only a hospital uh, as a surgeon, but also a, um, I believe it was USC, if I remember correctly, uh, teaching. Uh, uh, he started to, to to check into that because of the way her body was found. Everybody knew that it was most likely somebody who was either, and I always got a kick out of this. They said it was either somebody who was familiar with surgery or who was a butcher, and by butcher I mean an actual, you know, somebody who cut up meat. Those were the those were the two prevailing theories. Um, so, because this man was living in Lamert Park, and he was a surgeon, they started to uh, check into the man's life, and it turns out that um, Elizabeth Short's sister was actually married at uh, Dr. Bailey's house. And uh, they lived on Norton Street, which is uh, one block from where the body was discovered. Bailey was actually kicked out of his house a little while later uh, because his wife had found out that he was having an affair. The affair kind of destroyed his life because not only was he um, losing his wife, his house. It started to affect his job. He was uh, fired from teaching. He was then fired from the hospital. And basically the only thing he had left was his um, practice, which uh, his office was right around the corner from the Biltmore Hotel, which is the last place that uh, Elizabeth Short was uh, seen alive.
0: Is do we know if Elizabeth was at her sister's wedding at his house?
1: Um, you know, it 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 doesn't say that she was, but it is assumed. So it it doesn't actually, you know, specifically say that uh, Elizabeth Short was there, but the entire family was. So it is assumed that uh, Elizabeth was as well.
0: So that's interesting. This this reporter, retired reporter, just started checking out all the different residences. Around. I'm so curious how he hit on the fact that that was where Elizabeth's sister got married, too. Like, well, This was uh, way before the time that you could have just looked these things up on the Internet. You know what I mean? Well, so
1: there are records, um, marriage records and things like that. And once he found out that there was a doctor and a lot of it comes from what the FBI profiler was was telling him. Uh, was that uh, the way the body was positioned, um, where it was, and the whole um, crime scene, shall we say, appeared to the FBI profiler as if there was a personal reason for it to be there. They didn't know what it was, but it was almost as if it was a warning. <clears throat> At least this is what the FBI profiler said. And so because of that, that is what prompted the FBI and uh Mr. Harnish into looking at who lived in the area.
0: And then, okay, so the connections to Dr. Bailey is that he lived within just a block or so of where her body was found. Correct. Her sister had been, what, a year before, married at his house? Um, it was it was
1: a couple years before, yes.
0: And then he was a doctor, which fits definitely the profile. He was clearly going through a rough time in his life. He was losing everything, mm-hmm. and his office. And we are assuming that that El- Elizabeth knew him personally. We're assuming that, correct? We don't correct. know for <coughs> but
1: correct.
0: it's it's surmised that she could have, when Manley dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel, that we're surmising that he. That she could have have called the doctor just because he was right around the corner. She didn't have any money. We knew that. So she could have called the doctor and say, or even just walked over to his office, right?
1: Uh, well, there, there are also records that show that uh, Bailey himself had often rented rooms at the Biltmore Hotel. So he could have already been at the Biltmore.
0: They could have ran into each other
1: they they could have run into each other or she could have given him a call uh no one's really quite sure she was supposedly at the biltmore to meet her sister so her and her sister could then travel to chicago where her sister lived um and i mean there there's there are definitely a lot of assumptions you know one of the assumptions is that uh, possibly her sister had called um dr bailey to look after um, Elizabeth b- <clears throat> before she got there. But again, that's an assumption.
0: Well, wouldn't that have come out though? I mean, I'm assuming the police spoke to her. Sister. Why did her sister not show up that day? Do we know?
1: We do not. Um, it could have been um, Elizabeth just. <sighs> Eliza- her sister was yeah. A, a, Elizabeth did tend to, shall we say, exaggerate and, um, make things up. Um, she, she wasn't what you would call a liar, but when it came to things like that, um, she was still just really young. She was inexperienced. She was not the drunk and, um, uh, she didn't sleep around like, uh, history has, uh, portrayed her.
0: Made her out to be.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, being that young, not really having a, um, Direction in life, shall we say? Uh, she did tend to exaggerate. We'll put it that way. So you know, she may have very well been on her way to see her sister. Uh, Manley did uh, drop her off first at the uh, Greyhound bus depot in downtown Tor, uh, downtown tourist, downtown Los Angeles, um, and waited for her while she dropped her baggage off, and then they proceeded to go back to the uh, biltmore where he dropped her off and then that was the last time he ever saw her um we do know that she was hanging around in the bar area even though uh it it says that nobody really saw her drinking and nobody ever saw her uh talking to anybody there and then a little while later she was seen going into the um elevator and going upstairs and that was the last time anybody had ever seen her so you know what happened after that is going to be speculation um no no matter what because no one really
0: knows but this bailey kind of fits all the different portions of the profile like individually he was within the location if his office is right down the street he frequented the hotel he probably knew her. We know he at least knew her sister. And then her body was found
1: a block away from where he from he you. had lived.
0: Do we know if okay, so we know that her body was posed in this what the police had said a seductive or sexual way. Correct. Do we know if it was in the direction of his house? Um it it does not
1: state that uh so i really couldn't answer that um it, with everything i read and i actually did uh personally speak to um uh, larry Harnish because uh, i wanted to make sure that he was okay with um you know me putting all of this in the book and uh we never really got down to uh you know, asking those type of questions of him. Uh, so I, I kind of feel bad about that. Um, I was so into, you know, getting the book right that all of these other questions that later came up, like you're asking now, I wish I had asked him, but unfortunately, I can't really answer that.
0: But, um, but there's so, like, out of all the, out of all the suspects, Bailey kind of just fits in every little tiny pocket that the profiler had said like there was what was the other part about his wife like he didn't leave well first of all he how long did he live after elizabeth was murdered one year and then he had left money or he didn't leave his money to his ex-wife right well here's
1: the thing um and this goes to the one of the um speculations on, on why the man was never, um, caught and why it's still, um, an, an, uh, an open-ended case. Um, Mr. Bailey was also suffering from Alzheimer's. Okay. So, um, it wasn't completely pronounced at the time that, uh, Elizabeth Short was murdered, but, the assumption, and again, it, all, of, all of this is assumption, like, like every, you know, there, there is not one suspect out there that is not based on, on pure assumption. Um, I need to put that out there because no one knows.
0: No one knows.
1: <clears throat> now, the assumption is, is and, and we do know that he was suffering from Alzheimer's and he did pass away from uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, that that was in the, uh, the coroner's report. So it is believed that when Elizabeth Short either called him to uh, see if she could um, come to his room or called him at his office because he sometimes slept at his office, that he – let's say that he was at his office. The assumption is, is that he had gotten a room for her had come over and in his um, declining mental state, made a pass at um, Elizabeth um, and with him being you know uh, basically old enough and maybe even older than her father had had shunned his advances. So the assumption is that it is quite possible that his being spurned caused him, to go into a fit of rage fueled by the Alzheimer's and killed her without actually meaning to. And of course, uh, I keep saying assumption because that's all we have. Um, But the fact that she was... Now, this is according to the FBI profiler. The the fact that she was um, cleaned um and was immaculate at the time she was found, regardless of the fact that she was um, you know bisected um, the the act of of cleaning her showed a um, this is gonna sound kind of funny, but a caring for the body, and the mutilation would be as a way to try and throw people off about what happened.
0: So the mutilation part wasn't purposeful as far. Well, not purposeful. It was purposeful. It was
1: purposeful. Yes.
0: Yeah. But it wasn't vindictive. It wasn't anger directed at her. Correct. The What about the smile? What about the cut from her uh, lips to her ears? Um, again, that, that is
1: part of the mutilation. Um, and Again, if the man had been suffering from a severe bout of Alzheimer's um, that was fueled by his rage, there is a possibility that a lot of what he was doing was uncontrollable.
0: Uh, Could he have done this? Was his doctor's office, was his office... Was it set up where he had like separate exam rooms? Like, would he have been able to do this at his office?
1: I can't answer that. But what I do know is that he did have a separate examining room and um, uh, check-in. So, you know, and that was for privacy of the patients, uh, like any, any good doctor would have. So, you know, it is quite possible that, he managed somehow to get her out of uh, the hotel if that is where it was done. Um, th- there is also the possibility that she had gone upstairs for some unknown reason and then came back down and went out the back entrance of the hotel without anybody seeing her, um, not that she was trying to hide you know, the fact that she was leaving, um, and had gone to his office that way, which would be closer than going out the front door down the, down the walkway and around the hotel. Um, so it is quite possible that all of this actually happened at his office.
0: And she could have went to, if he had, well, first of all, they wouldn't know if he had a room there. Cause you said he would have used an assumed name
1: See now, not necessarily. And, um,
0: but then again
1: the man you you were asking why has he never been a a suspect the man was never a suspect because um he had such a, a tenuous uh connection to her what what the police were doing is they were looking at all of the people that were in her notebook or I'm sorry her uh, her, her phone book. book her address book um and with all of these other phone calls coming in with people, um, you know, saying, I did it, I did it, and all of these people that they had to, uh, you know, either dismiss out of hand or, you know, run a, a brief check to see if they were were telling the truth. Um, it's it's very possible that uh, Dr. Bailey just slipped under the radar.
0: Right. So they maybe never even checked the Beltmore's records.
1: Exactly. And, and as far as I know, they never, they never did. But again, that that's speculation on my part.
0: I'm just so curious the way that she was murdered and mutilated and all of her blood drained, that probably didn't just happen in a normal bathtub,
1: right? That, that is the assumption. Yes.
0: So having an office with an exam room, we don't know what was in there, obviously, but the other big thing was that when he died, when he did pass away, he had a mistress and he had left all of his money to her. Correct?
1: That that is what um, that they say. But again, that one is also a little um, tenuous. Also, um, the he supposedly had um, broken up with his mistress while trying to save his marriage. And no one is really quite sure whether he kept it up after his wife had kicked him out or whether the mistress, knowing that he was in mental decline, would have stayed with him anyway. So, you know, everything with this case, and it's one of the things that I think fascinates people so much, is that no matter what we come up with, it's all assumption.
0: And then there's a different angle, like the fact that he was getting a divorce and he had a mistress and you know what I mean? Like every, just like Manly had a wife, you know, it just like, it's not just the murder. Like you start contacting people or looking at people and then there's all these facets of their life.
1: Right. But
0: the one thing that can't be contended though, is that, um, Bailey's wife sued the midst, the mistress. Or went after the mistress because she, because he left money to her, basically the mistress rather than his wife. And the wife believed it was because she knew a secret. Like that's yeah. not contended. I mean, that's not under contention because right. it was in the newspapers, right? Right. But um, again, not I- in relation to Black Dahlia. It was in relationship to their, to their divorce and their messy divorce. And Correct. this didn't have anything to do with the black Dahlia, but the wife truly believed that the mistress got whatever she got financially, um, or benefited from his death because she had a secret. And right. could, is that just another like checkbox? Like, Oh, she worked it. Maybe she knew he killed the black Dahlia.
1: Um, I, well, yeah, of, of course that, that, you know, you can check that box off as a possible, um, but again, you know, like uh, you keep mentioning Manley and he had um, been questioned extensively and it, it basically ruined his life uh, being the main suspect. And if you actually look at all of the statements and everything from both Manley, uh, the letters that they found that were written by Elizabeth Short, um, they they were friends, but they never actually consummated that friendship. We'll, we'll put it that way. Um, and, you know, so, but everybody still believes that, you know, they were having this illicit affair and there's actually no proof of it other than, you know, probably a, a, a friendship that was not, shall we say appropriate yeah, I was with mar- say it wasn't with a appropriate.
0: married man, right.
1: but you know, um, and the same thing with um, Elizabeth Short constantly being portrayed as a hard-drinking slut. Right. Um, she basically only drank once in her life, and that was when she was underage. And got uh, caught. And got caught. Right. But, you know, so, I mean, the the, the entire Black Dahlia case, to me, is one of those that um, – There's just so much that we don't know. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that um, even today, every once in a while, you you still see things pop up about the Black Dahlia. If I remember right, it was a little over a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, when, and I think it was a woman, if I remember correctly, from England had stated that she had definitive proof of uh, who killed her. And I cannot remember the the man she accused, but then when she put the proof out, it wasn't proof at all. It was, you know, all assumption again,
0: the same thing we're doing right now. Exactly. Right? You know, but that- out of everybody, I feel like Bailey had so many connections living near where her body was found, being nearby when she was last seen the wife saying the mistress had a newest secret. The fact that he was a doctor, the fact that he had a mental condition at the time, like all of these things. Do we know this is the only thing that do we know was he an angry, mean man or was he well liked? <laughs> not not at all. He,
1: the, the The one thing that uh, Mr. Harnish told me was, is that it, in all um, accounts, uh, Walter Bailey was just. A man, you know, he wasn't violent. Um, he did not have a mean streak. Uh, he had a good bedside manner as a doctor. But knowing how Alzheimer's works, um, <clears throat> my biological mother uh, has Alzheimer's now, and the um, the changes that come with that disease can cause you to do things that you would not normally do if you were and doesn't going to sound bad but if you were in your right mind.
0: Right. So like judging his well he wasn't the greatest guy either. I mean he was cheating on his wife.
1: Right. So. Yeah, I, well yeah, I mean I'm not trying to you know justify any of it. Um but when you when you look at who the the man was uh shall we say pre-affair, uh, you know, he he was just a normal family man.
0: So but I, the thing is, with the Black Dahlia case, people have not really thought, or anybody who's done extensive research, never thought that the person who killed Elizabeth Short was a serial killer or a mass murderer. We've, oh, everyone's always kind of thought it was a one-time thing—a wrong place, wrong time. Well, actually, there, um, and I'm trying to
1: remember the case, and it actually came. There was, there was a case in uh, Chicago that was similar to, that was similar. And for the longest time, they actually believed that it was the same killer. So for a long time, they did believe that it was a possible serial killer.
0: But I mean, Um, just the general consensus isn't that, that it was someone who went around murdering one person after another.
1: Right, exactly. And I mean, that, that's one of the reasons that they went after Manley so hard is because he was the last one to see her. Um, he did have, um, shall we say an emotional affair, uh, with Elizabeth Short, um, and had what they assumed was motive for her possibly, um, you know, breaking it off with him. So, you know, uh, again, even, even the police were assuming a lot.
0: It's so weird because I feel like I've done extensive research on it. You've done extensive research. I mean, anyone who's done this story has done extensive research. But and, and, And to be quite honest, when I did the three episodes before, I felt like I got to know her. Like you get so involved in it. But even doing that, we cannot imagine in any way, shape, or form what it had been like for Manly living in it like we're so distant from it even though we're doing all this and we're involved in the story you know many many years later we still cannot really commiserate with what he was going through at that time and how much attention was on it do you know what I'm saying because like it did affect him for the rest of life I don't he was probably never normal again because of being the last person to see her alive
1: Yeah, no, I believe me, I get it. I have often thought of Manly as also being a victim of that crime.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. If he didn't do it, which I've never really kind of believed that he did, like he's really just not even in my top 10. Right. Um, What his, I guess my point is, is that like we're talking about this so many decades later that we can't imagine, like, you think of the biggest story in the news right now. And it's like whatever story it is, is huge, but it's fleeting because we have social media now and people get all hyped up about a story or a case. And then it, it, three days later, it's a history, right? Right. Where back then the black Dahlia case was the biggest case. Like it was in every paper every day for months on end. So like there wasn't a break for him. No one cared about any other case. No one could just scroll through their phone and find something else to be interested in. Back then, it was it. That was it. was this case. And the fact that it was never solved, and it never will be. Like, there's nothing. They never found any DNA of the perpetrator on her at all, right? That
1: you know of? Well, back then, they weren't looking for DNA. Um, And unless they were to... Well, actually, you know, and, and even now, I mean, once DNA technology came out, by the time it, it made it to where <clears throat> we would have been able to definitively identify it, her body was most likely decomposed to the, to the point that nothing would have been found anyway, not to mention the killer had scrubbed her body. Right. Um, so, you know, e- even with DNA technology today, I, it's doubtful that they would have been able to find anything.
0: Right. So the Black Dahlia <clears> case we can do this podcast and everybody else can do another podcast or another story or blog or book. It's 150 years from now.
1: Yeah. It's going to be the same story. Exactly. Um, you know, like one of the things that uh, when I was writing the piece for my book, um, I delved into all of the different um, suspects and I was amazed at how thin most of them are. Um, You know, you have you have the and I'm not going to mention any names, but you, you have the one that most people believe.
0: Oh, good God. I, and I, think I is- talk about that in the episode that it's just it's not it didn't happen. No, just well, the no. one the
1: one thing I get a kick out of is the picture of. Elizabeth Short. That the person says is a picture of Elizabeth Short put next to Elizabeth Short is so obviously not her that that throws it out right then
0: and there. Well, in yeah, it it takes any credence away from the thought that. Well, and I'm gonna say it. Hotel Hotel didn't do it. Like it's not. Yeah, no, not even not even close.
1: It's um, just
0: not. It's ridiculous that it's gotten as much publicity as it has. I'm surprised with as much information that I found and as much reading that I didn't follow up on the Walter Bailey thing because to me at this point, I've always been a a true believer that, um, well, I leaned towards Leslie Dwayne Dillon, Mm -hmm. but now I feel a little different. I feel like Walter Bailey deserves the attention that that maybe he did. I mean, it's just weird how you could check off so many boxes with him. I don't know that you can check off as many boxes with anybody else. Th-
1: that is one of the reasons that I put this in the book. There, there were so many choices that I had and I could have, I could have put a bunch of different ones in there. But after I read what um, Mr. Harnish and the FBI had discovered with this person, um, to me it solved the the case and and that's for me um i never tell people that the person in the book is the killer i always say things like now i didn't come up with the theory but i think once you read it you'll be leaning toward the fact that this person is the one who who killed elizabeth short
0: or at least as intrigued it's intriguing that he checks off so many boxes right and I
1: mean, it literally, like you said, it checks off so many boxes it's really hard to deny that he should be at least the number one suspect for who did it. Thanks so, so. much
0: for doing this with me today, Brian.: Oh, absolutely. Is there anything you want to plug? okay all I'll, I'll, the you said 11 of your books are on Amazon right now? Uh yes. okay, and you did I know you did Well, no no now, now. that.
1: Now, just as an FYI, two of the books that are up on Amazon right now have not been released yet. The Dark Tourism California will be released in May. And my very first non-paranormal book, Will be released uh, next month on the twenty fourth. That is a uh, legends and lore along California's Highway three
0: ninety five. So I'm going to link your books on my episode webpage to get them on Amazon, and then also the book you said a book written by Larry. It
1: actually isn't a book written by Larry Harnish, Harnish. but if you if you type in Larry Harnish on um, into Google. His uh, website should come up, and it has some wonderful information. It, it, his entire website was about the Black Dahlia case.
0: Okay, so I'll link, I'll I'll do that, and I'll link that on my episode webpage too. And I really quick, the books that you've written about—you've written about the Queen Mary, mm-hmm. you've written about what was the other one that I wanted? I I was standing at your table, and I wanted like five of them, and have <laughs> my wallet
1: with me.
0: So it um, Hollywood Sandy,
1: Hollywood Obscura, California's Historic Haunts, Haunted San Pedro, um, Ghosts of the Queen Mary, Haunted Universal Studios, Ghosts and Legends of Alcatraz, Ghosts and Legends of Calico, Thinking Outside the Box, which is a biography of Frank Sumption, who invented the um, uh, modern ghost box. My brain is not functioning here.
0: (laughs) Good, good. It's still kind of early on a Saturday morning, to be honest. Yeah, for some reason, my,
1: my brain. I, I, I think that's pretty much all of them.
0: Okay, and then you have a website too, you said?
1: <laughs> I do. It's uh, you okay. just go to brianclune.com.
0: Hopefully we can talk more. I would love to hear some more about some of the other places. Oh, absolutely, anytime. Now, if you don't mind, I would like to plug one
1: thing on, on my website. Uh, if you go to my blog, um, I write under the name of the Paratraveler. And I have five pieces up right now, and I promise I'm going to be getting more up, but I have to finish two books within the next month. Uh. Uh, So I'm kind of concentrating on that. But um, I write about different um, towns. Um, San Diego, I have two for San Diego because you have to split it so big. Uh, Virginia City, uh, Kernville, and and places like that. I'm starting to branch out into other states. And they're designed so people can have their own paranormal weekend without having to tour a group or anything like that. So I review haunted hotels, uh, haunted restaurants, and different amusements within these towns uh, that are haunted. So you can basically just go out, have some fun, have your own paranormal weekend, and uh, hopefully have an experience or two.
0: And learn some history at the same Absolutely.
1: time. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much. And then stay in touch. We'll talk some more.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: The case of Elizabeth Short's murder will probably not be solved. It won't stop historians or armchair detectives from discussing it. We can only hope that Elizabeth Short can still rest in peace. For the next couple of weeks, we'll be replaying our 2018 three-part series on the Block Dahlia murders. We'll be back in January with all new episodes with investigator Bob Taft from the Orange County Sheriff, missing persons cases, even a museum height. So join us every Wednesday for brand new episodes starting mid-January. From our family at Haunting History Podcast to yours, we wish you a happy, healthy, and safe holidays. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you. So be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode, links to our Patreon page, and all of our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. Remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.